Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Black Widow. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question... In the way that Black Widow was a side character in Iron Man 2, which MCU side character would you like to see more of and eventually get their own movie? I'm Luke Strife from Chicago, and I want to I wanna rom-com with Happy Hogan and Aunt May. <laughs> That's an excellent choice. I truly, when I crafted this question, was thinking in the, in the vein of like what which side character could become their own main superhero. Oh, but no, I know. Me, I know. <laughs> but a part of me was... Thinking like, but what I really want is some yeah. more Aunt May time. And yeah, for sure. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, my 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 real answer if we're going the superhero route is I would want uh to dig into the Carter family more. So either a Peggy Carter I know Peggy Carter got her own like mini like TV show kind of a thing, but do her justice, give her a real movie, um, or Sharon Carter. Um, spin that thing off and, and I wanna I want a power broker movie. Okay, power broker. Um, well, I am Sandra Amstutz. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and my answer is Sif from the Thor movies. Mm, um, that's a good I think one. She's gotten a real short stick in this, you know, for franchise. sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's like this powerful, like beautiful, badass, like um, character. And I also think it's really interesting, like from a love story perspective, the fact that like she seems like the perfect fit for a Thor and yet she's always getting like kind of, you know, pushed to the side and in favor of like these human women. Um, and so I think that she could have a really cool movie. I think similar to black widow, we could have a, like, what has Sif been up to? Well, <laughs> all this, the rest <laughs> of this has been going on. Um, yeah, I would, I would love to see more of her. Yeah. And Jamie Alexander's great. I would love to see her back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe doing more things. Yeah, I I, I think she's going to be back for Thor Love and Thunder. Um, Good. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed for that. Yeah. So before we talk more about Black Widow and Marvel, I do want to know, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Um, so I went on vacation last week, and uh, I, I usually on vacation is one of the few times that I bring along um, – like physical books on on trips um and we were sitting at the beach and i was like this is the perfect time to to read a physical book and so sitting in a beach chair i read a book by george bradshaw who george bradshaw was he was a journalist mostly um in the in the 1950s and 60s um he wrote uh one book um which is called practice to deceive which is what i read now what really interested me in this book and I, is that this is a book of short stories around um, art forgery and and heists. And it's just a bunch of little kind of short snippets about kind of these these fictional stories about about forgery and about um, kind of the 
the title of the book, The Practice to Deceive. And it's really interesting kind of looking at, I mean, I've, we've seen, you know, heist movies and stuff like that from, you know, the 50s and 60s. But but getting to read about um, these fictional things, one, it's just um, the lack of security is just ridiculous back in the day. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> locked down. There's, there's nothing. Um, but also just like getting to see that perspective of somebody kind of creating um, those types of things at that point in time. It's a really interesting, fun book. So it's, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's not a popular one. It's not one that really anybody has heard of, but I really enjoyed it as a beach read getting to, to read these short stories. That sounds really wonderful. And also sounds like, I mean, it is sick that this is the way my mind immediately goes to, <laughs> but like, it sounds like gr- a great premise for like a Netflix series. It really HBO does. Series. Right. Yes. So one of his short stories has been turned into a movie, um, very, very broadly adapted. <laughs> but it's okay. How to Steal a Million, featuring Audrey Hepburn. Um, I see. So that's 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 kind of the only one of those that has been. But that I think it would be a great, especially like period piece, um, because a lot of these things are it would be impossible to do now. But <laughs> right. Um, absolutely, it'd be a very fun like anthology series. Speaking of like an anthology of heists. Have you seen, Lucas, that Leverage is back? No. The TV show Leverage? <laughs> There's a reboot of the TV show Leverage with um, all of the main original cast except for Timothy Hutton. Um, and it's being sh- it's streaming on IM- IMDb TV. Uh-oh. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? I just know that you're one of the few people I know bizarre. who like also loved Leverage. Um, yeah, we, we, I think we're the only two people who watched it. But they <laughs> right. they even have Aldous Hodges. Yeah, or Aldous Hodge, whatever, however you yeah. say his name. I've I've he's he's the one guy out of that show that I was like, I hope really good things happen for him. I, I feel like I he's slowly kind of, kind of risen in fame until one night in Miami, and I was like, this is it. This is his big break, and now right. he's back to Leverage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get the ads on Twitter constantly for okay. this, this reboot of the series. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested. I haven't checked it out yet, but I, I'm intrigued for sure. Yeah. Well, for the the two of you out there who are interested, <laughs> I'll probably be checking out Leverage Redemption. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Practice to Deceive sounds like a sub- similar to Leverage in that like there's a different heist every episode. Or but with this, it would be yeah. different characters and a whole different. It would be a, a you know yeah. a mini series, yeah. not a limited series, probably in exactly. that way. Um, yeah, it's a great title, and I'm very intrigued. Yeah, it's a great book. So if you can find if you can find it, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah. So how, so what was that process like? Did you check it out at the library? Did you buy? A I copy? checked. Yeah. No, I checked it out from the library. Um, it, I, I think it got brought up in some kind of article that I was reading, and I was, and I think all it mentioned was like "Practice to Deceive." It's a you know book of short stories about heists and forgeries, and I was like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so I got it from the library. It's like the only copy here in Chicago, and it was great. Cool, cool, cool. Um, well, I also went on vacation this this past week, um, and. I did not go and read a book at the beach. Instead, I went home to Texas to visit my family. Um, And whenever I go home, my dad always has um, a list of movies that he likes that he thinks I should watch. Um, And they're all Like movies you haven't seen? Yes. Okay, Um, yeah. And and they're typically a lot of mob movies, um, (laughs) a a lot of... um, 
inspirational movies that he's found on streaming services. That's mm. that's really his bag as well. Um, yeah, uh, they're also those are the dad masculine. movie categories. Yeah, yeah, they're very masculine. Like, um, and so we do we try to find common ground in in, in our tastes, right? Um, and uh-huh. so when I was home for Christmas, he had really told me he we really really wanted to watch The Departed. And um, we tried, but their internet was really bad. And so the streaming never, like, actually succeeded when we tried to watch it. And so then this most recent visit home, um, we were all my, – my parent, my dad is retired and my mom is a, a teacher. And so we, they have the summer off. And um, we were at sitting in the house. And it was about 10 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. And we're sitting in the living room, and my dad just puts on The Departed without really kind of saying anything. It's like, we're finally going to watch this movie, and it's going to be at 10 a.m. on a scorching hot summer day. Um, And so even though that's not the circumstances that I normally would watch, like, an Academy Award-winning movie, um, (laughs) I have to say, I loved The Departed. It was like... Not a not a surprise, but it was great. Um, everyone's on their A game, especially Matt Damon. I love seeing Matt Damon in this role that he played. Uh, I think it may be like the best thing I've ever seen him in. Um, I had a great time with The Departed. It was um, as it lived up to the hype. Um, I, yeah, I th- I think that it's also one of Mark Wahlberg's best movies. I mean, he's. I think he's just playing the part that he was like born to play in that movie, like completely ridiculous over the top. Um, But it works in this movie, whereas he does not work, I think in most movies. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, I also love the departed. I'm so glad you, you got to see it. Was there, was it, um, was there anything that you feel like has, hasn't aged well? Cause it's been a while since I've seen it. Well, that's a tricky question, right? Because like the characters are like, vulgar and racist right so yeah yeah that doesn't age that and it doesn't age well but that's also inherent to like the characters and the story um right the the thing the thing that was really shocking is that the movie begins with like this monologue from um jack nicholson that's full of racial slurs um and like that's the first line of the movie so like (laughs) to start that at 10 a.m in our family living room like like without any kind of like forewarning was a little like jarring um but oh yeah um no, otherwise, I mean, I think it's like I, I was surprised by every surprise. I feel like, yeah, I, I think it's just like a great thriller mob movie. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. I loved the idea of these like dueling um, moles and and, mm-hmm. and how that like eats you alive and and the the ways in which they kind of like. What what that same job looks like in yeah. two different worlds. I loved it. That's great. Yeah, I love The Departed. I yeah. definitely. I, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but I should I should definitely rewatch it. Probably not at ten a.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> right. Probably not. It it made me wonder. Like I've I've kind of been had not really I haven't really had much interest in watching The Irishman, and now I'm like, should I watch The Irishman? You know. Um, yeah. Martin Scorsese. Oh, I do need to tell you one thing. One moment. Um, I won't spoil the the departed for anyone who like me had not seen it. Um, but there's a a big surprise in, in the departed. Like there's a big you know shocking moment, and my mom 
screamed in the living room when it happened. She was like, I knew it. I hate Martin Scorsese. He always does this. And just to hear her, you know, like curse the name of Martin Scorsese in our living room was really funny as well. That's fantastic. Um, So, yeah, it made me, you know, want to check out a lot. There's plenty of Martin Scorsese that, that I have not seen. And so, yeah, he's someone that I should do some catching up on. Yeah. I like a lot of his movies and I dislike a lot of his movies. So sure. it's a, I think he's a, he's a solid mixed bag, but I think without exception, all of them are done extremely well for what he wants to do. I'm just not always interested in what he wants to do. So. I, I think, I, I think I'm right there with you. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to figure out which ones work for me as well as this one did. That's um, awesome. Well, are you ready to talk Black Widow? Let's talk Black Widow. By a lot of Marvel fans. Black Widow is someone who, um, like we mentioned earlier, introduced into this cinematic universe all the way back in Iron Man 2. And um, uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow are the two main Avengers that didn't have their own movies until now. And then also, of course, this movie was pushed back multiple times because of the pandemic. I feel like it's finally here. I want to know, Lucas, how were you feeling about this movie Um before the pandemic and then how are you feeling about it (laughs) going into it um this week yes so if we talk about when this movie was originally supposed to come out i think it was like april or may 2020 Mm -hmm. i feel like we'd just gotten off the end game high um from the previous summer they had announced all of the marvel tv shows they had announced like their big slate of um, you know, next group of movies. And I think I was just tired of Marvel films at that point. And so to see, uh, also, I feel like this whole discussion is going to spoil Endgame. So if you haven't seen Endgame, we're going to, we're probably going to mention things that happened in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So just to see kind of a, odd, you know, a almost an inconsequential movie, because it doesn't push, you know, Black Widow's story forward at all it's just going to be uh kind of back when other things were happening here's also just a little glimpse into what she was doing something like that i was just like i don't know if i'm really interested in this i'm tired i I have seen a lot of marvel stuff recently i'm not that interested so as it got pushed back um i the longer it got pushed back the less and less marvel content that I, i was watching and so by the time this that you know this year came around i was actually kind of excited about it um i love you know I love spy movies and kind of realizing that like, this is just kind of a standalone spy movie. Um, I was like, this could be fun. And especially with the Marvel TV shows that have been happening, I was like, I'm ready for a movie. It'd be fun to see a movie. Um, And so I actually came into this. I hadn't, I didn't think I'd seen any of the trailers for this movie, (laughs) but I was very excited. So how about you? Well, when, when they were talking about the idea of a black widow prequel, um, and this was, you know, long, long ago. I feel like this this movie mm-hmm. has been in discussion for so long. Um, I was really excited by the idea of a true prequel, like pre-Avengers. Um, what was Natasha's life 
like before she joined up with S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, when she was just this assassin slash spy. Um, and then what does that, you know, turnaround look like? Um, I was interested in seeing what the Red Room was like. I was interested to see her being a little evil, you know, um, and then turning <laughs> good. And um, then once the trailer started coming out for this, it became very clear, like, that's not what this movie was going to be. And I lost a lot of interest. Um, I think the trailers for these movies are not that exciting. Um, I, I, I was, I was not, I was kind of down in the dumps on this movie and starting to really feel that Marvel fatigue that you were just talking about. That, yeah. Um, the action in the trailers, I think, looks very similar. Like, d- didn't look exciting. The the trailers didn't have really much of a storyline other than she has like maybe these family members that we didn't know about. Um, I wasn't excited. Um, I went into this screening kind of just like, Oh, let's get over this. Um, and I will just say that I was really pleasantly surprised by this movie. It's not going to be in my top tier of Marvel films, but I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, and I'd love to talk about, like, the things that really worked in this movie and what didn't. How did you feel after seeing it? I was surprised how much I liked it. <laughs> Same, yeah. I, like, I liked it a lot. I think we can talk – we're going to talk about it more. But I think there are very small ways that this movie could have ended up in top-tier Marvel for me. Um, but I, I, yeah. I agree with you. It, it didn't. But I would say I would say, I would say top half for sure. Um I well, that's a lot of movies at this point. So I don't know if top half is a compliment <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but, right. Um, but way better, way better than I think I expected it to be. I think I was surprised by the smallness of it, which I obviously really enjoy, um, especially for a spy film. Like that's just you need some of those those smaller intimate aspects, and that a lot of this movie is about actual like character relationships um uh, there's obviously plot stuff there's obviously you know MacGuffins and (laughs) things that people are chasing and you know stuff like that but um for the most part this is a movie about um you know Black Widow and the relationships in her life which is uh I don't think something that you get from a typical Marvel movie so I I I definitely want to talk about some of like the really high points for me and kind of the low points as well but I think overall I actually really enjoyed this movie way more than I thought I was going to yeah, so the addition, I, I think it's not a spoiler to, because this is in the trailer to say that um, Black Widow has these um, family members that we didn't really know about, right? Um, and that they, they play a major part in this rule, this movie. We, we have these new characters, these new cast members. Um, I, I, going into this film, I thought, like, we don't really need all that. And then after watching this film, I'm so grateful that they added that as an element to this story. Um, Florence Pugh continues to just, like, kick ass in whatever movie she's in. And I don't she mean is that in, like, a thousand. A, I don't mean that in, like, yeah, in an action movie way. I mean that yeah, in, like, yeah. the way she she is as a performer is just every moment she's on screen, I'm thoroughly delighted or slash moved like she's so so good and charismatic and charming and funny and i i I continue to be in awe of her um adding her marvel is very lucky to have her like she is not lucky to get a marvel movie they are very lucky to have her um added to this universe 
Yes. Um, she, she kills it in this movie. Um, I, I think that what they did with the story of adding these, these characters, like I, it really, really worked. And uh, these Marvel movies, you don't get a lot of, um, family dynamics, right? Um, I feel like, you know, the yeah. Avengers are often like this sort of found family that is fun to watch, but you don't really get a lot of like parent sibling dynamics unless it's something very like off in the distance and heartwarming, right? Like Ant-Man and his daughter. You don't have, it's not a main like focus of a film. Um, and I really liked seeing like, what does a family unit living in this kind of chaotic, violent world what does that look like and how does that express itself um i have a lot more to say about that in spoilers but Mm -hmm. yeah i was that those aspects of the film really really worked for me i would also say that i think the the opening of this film really shows you a lot of the stakes of those relationships um Mm -hmm. in an interesting way that i don't think we've seen i feel like i feel like in the past Marvel movies, like the opening scenes are big, you know, action beats that really don't tell you much about the characters, but are just like, cool, come watch this. <laughs> and this one, I, I, I was actually like really like up until like the, the opening credits, I was like, this is, I'm engaged. I'm a hundred percent into this movie already, which yeah. I was very surprised by. Yeah. I felt very similarly. Um, I do want to talk about the things that didn't work for me that, that held this movie back from being great. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that was the, a lot of the big action set pieces in this film. Um, really? I found myself. Yeah. I found myself being very bored by them. Um, ready to get back to the dialogue, ready to get back to the intimate <laughs> moments. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of people comparing this to mission impossible films. And those, that kind of pacing and those kind of big set pieces work in Mission Impossible films because they're truly awe-inspiring set pieces. And in this, um, I just felt the slow churn of, like, very normal fight sequences um, and ve- and lots of explosions that didn't really concern me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I was thoroughly bored during most of them. And so, to me... This movie, if it had either had way more interesting and unique set pieces, action set pieces, or way less of them and focused much more on the spy work and the internal, like, emotional story of these characters, going either direction, I would have been so much happier. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, uh, the I, set, I, go, go I ahead. will say the, the, the third act is a, a just a giant um fight sequence mess which is uh, mo- most marvel movies i feel like but yeah so i was i was a hundred percent out on that part of the movie um but i think some of the early fight sequences work really well um and i think i think your comment about mission impossible i think is is a really good um illustration because those those uh sequences one of the things that i love about mission impossible that i think we've talked about before is that Ethan Hunt always, always messes up or gets hurt or something like that in those sequences, which make them mm-hmm. really engaging because he's not like he is a vulnerable, vulnerable character who, you know, is in danger at all those points. I think 
Black Widow has the ability to do that because she's not a superhero. She's like the only Avenger who's not who is actually right. vulnerable. And I think I think you have to lean into that a little bit more, which I don't think they fully did in in all of the fight scenes. I do want to talk about some of the fight scenes once we get into spoilers about some of the because I feel like there were some great ones. Um, but I just think leaning into that vulnerability would have helped this a ton. Totally. Yeah, I can think of one instance in which they did, and it really worked for me. Um, I feel like there's so much that you and I are ready to say in spoilers, so I'm ready to mm-hmm. head in there if you are. <laughs> yeah, overall, I would say absolutely watch this movie. I think a lot of people really like it. I think it's um, – th- the actors in it are so dynamic, and it was so fun to watch that I think it was – for me, at least one of the funniest Marvel movies that we've seen in a long time, not because of just, you know, the Marvel quippy jokes, but because it was actually, um, I think funny characters. So sure. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I think people will like it if they like Marvel movies. Um, yeah, I, I, I fu- fully satisfied, which is, I think a, a decent place to be when you're finished seeing a Marvel film. Definitely. Okay. So let's do spoilers before we get started. Does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Cracking gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. I want to start with that opening sequence and the credits. Um, mm-hmm. That really, really worked for me. Um, yeah. Same. I, <laughs> like, I, that was Just watching that, I was like, is this going to be my favorite Marvel movie? <laughs> right. I think, like, seeing her with that blue hair with those red roots so, yeah. was so cool. Um, I think I knew that, like, in the, during that scene, like, obviously I knew that they were Russian spies, but I don't think I fully connected that they were, like, a place together family and that they weren't actually, like, you know, blood-related. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I loved that sequence. I loved how much was unsaid in that sequence. Um, I love that you already saw when they were kids, like kind of how the younger sister was a little bit more fiery and how like Natasha's character, like as even as like a child slash teen was like a little more serious and reserved, you know? Um, I loved, I, I loved everything about it. I loved the styling. Um, the scene at the air at the Cuba little airstrip where mm-hmm. the girls get taken away was just so like heartbreaking and menacing. And then to go straight into that credit sequence, which I think I've heard a lot of mixed reactions, mostly negative to that opening credit sequence. It really, oh, really? worked for me. Yeah. It worked it, for me too. It worked for me hardcore. I was like, yeah, this as, as, creepy and menacing as a black widow movie should be right because she has like this horrifying origin story um in a way that like you know spider-man and captain america have these really like kind of wholesome um Mm -hmm. (laughs) american origin stories she has like this very like um horrifying violent creepy origin and i like that that opening credit sequence um, I think in my vision of a, a Black wid- Widow prequel, we would see a lot more like Red Room scenes, you know, and mm-hmm. this opening credit sequence kind of like did the work of that and like giving you the the vibe of what 
that experience would have been like without being explicit in the way they probably can't be in a Marvel movie. Um, yeah. I thought it was great. I did too until I watched the end. <laughs> what do you um, mean by that? I think okay, so Marvel has this problem where like the th- so the the third act of Marvel movies are always just a big bunch of fighting that really feel unearned, I guess, and and I don't connect with at all. Um, yeah, and I think I think this one does this does as well, but I don't think it's the, the problem. I don't I don't think it's the fault of how they ended the movie. I think what they set up at the beginning does not necessarily get followed through on so i i don't have a problem with the beginning it's just i wish they would have changed it if if based on how they ended the movie because what do you mean I by think, how they ended the movie like so I, th- I think the problem that i got into at the end is like what is natasha roman romanoff like learning from this movie like how is she changing like what's what, what's happening here and to me mm. it just feels like she shows up and she does a bunch of stuff and that's the end it's not like she um because I, what I felt at the beginning was like, okay, what she wants is to have this family back. And as it kind of went through, there were parts of that that was like, yeah, she wants a family back. But but really, she's also mad at this family. And she, she you know, f- you know, hates this family, this fake family that she had and stuff like that. Whereas, um, I forget her name, but the uh, Florence Pugh character she she's the one who like misses this family and feels like 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 when she talks about how it felt real to her like she, mm-hmm. that that is what she she wants she's kind of coming out of this uh this mindset of like that could have been real and i wanted it to be real um and so i i felt like the end of the movie had nothing to do with any of that it was now all about you know drake off and you know and ending the red room and all of that stuff um, and I wanted, I really wanted the ending to be more about family and it, and I, f- I feel like they kind of came together at the end, but they, it, it, it didn't work for me the way I think I wanted it to. Yeah. It almost seems like with an opening credit sequence like that, um, that's so menacing that mm-hmm. this film should have leaned a little harder into the revenge. Like I, I'm going to tear this all down. Even though like that was the main plot, like yeah. As, as soon as she hears that it still exists, like she's going to be like, "Oh, well, I'm going to destroy it all." There doesn't there didn't seem to be the sa- the level of like rage that I think yes. should have been yeah. there. Which we saw at the beginning, like she was like you could tell at the beginning how terrified fiery, and scared right? and like, mad exactly. Yeah. And those, we did not we did not get that at all. And I think I think I like you kept talking about like you wanted to see the red room and and like her origin story and i as someone who has like constantly been like we don't need to see every character's origin story i do think that would have been a little helpful here it doesn't have to be the whole movie but yeah. i think like getting to see kind of almost the breaking of her relationship with her sister as they go through that process um kind of separately or together and kind of learn more about this uh kind of establishment that she thought she broke down and now she has to break down for real finally i think would have made that ending way more emotionally (laughs) you know understandable for us to know why she's going off and doing all of this and it felt just very kind of clinical and yeah we're gonna go in and do a big fight at the end right that's it um i want to talk about some of the action set pieces that i found really boring and some of the ones that worked for me so like yeah the two that really just bored me to death were the prison break um, with the a- yeah. with the helicopter and the avalanche. 
Yeah. That was specifically the one where I was watching it and I was like, I could clock myself being like, when is this part going to be over? Because there's no stakes. Like, you know, he's getting out, you know, neither of them are in any trouble. Right. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about that that was interesting to me or like exciting. Um, yeah. The the one moment in that move, that sequence that like makes it worth it is having the line from Florence Pugh like this would be a cool way to die, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. To set up that joke <laughs> later on. I mean that I I did enjoy that, but otherwise the actual action in that set that set piece did, was so boring to me. And then similarly, yeah. like you said, that like big third act, like let's you know end yeah. the movie. Yeah. Uh, it was just a, a mess of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. The stuff that did work for me was like the born identity kind of like hand to hand combat that we 100%. got to see between like Scarlett um, Johansson and Florence Pugh in that apartment. Um, the scene where she's on the bridge and she's in that car. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you mentioned earlier, like that's a moment where you feel like, Oh, like, she seems scared for her safety here and she's all alone and she doesn't have any superpowers and she's about to fight a somewhat superpowered individual. It looks like, um, and yeah. And you feel like, Oh, she's like mortal like this, you know? Yeah. You felt the, the risk there. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. Exact, exact same situation. The small hand to hand fights, uh, very, very fun. (laughs) Um, the, I hated the prison break scene. The prison break scene was awful. Um, and I think, so with, I went back and watched actually some mission impossible action scenes after this movie, just to be like, this is because it feels like it wants to be, it, it really feels like it wants to be mission impossible. Um, and I think one of the things with the prison break scene, um, is, uh, all, with all the Mission Impossible movies, they establish all of the steps to a action scene early on of like, mm. we've got to do this, and then we've got to do this, and then we've got to do this. Or even if it's just one step, we have to do this. And they're very clear about like, you know, this is this is the thing that you have to do. And then they show somebody either succeed immediately or fail one of the steps. And then them right. have to kind of continue on the steps or you know, change the steps, but knowing the still end goal with this, it was just like, get outside and get on the helicopter. Those are, those are yeah. the only two steps. And he immediately gets outside. So he spends so much time outside without them, without us knowing how he's supposed to get on the helicopter. They don't lower a rope. It's just kind of him fighting a bunch of people. Then Scarlett Johansson jumping down and fighting a bunch of people. And it doesn't feel like there's actually like something that like an actual st- checkpoint that we're waiting for them to get to to be able to get get on the helicopter it's just a ton of fighting until finally she lowers a rope for scarlett johansson and then they pick him up and that just felt like so long and boring whereas if we get to see like this is how you this is if, if we know what the end goal is this is how you have to do it and we have to we're waiting for those characters to get to that point even if the mm-hmm. rope had been lowered this whole time and we just see them trying to get there but not being able to i think that right. that that fixes it but i think they're more interested with the the fun fighting which wasn't fun in the, in those aspects than actually like getting out of there right um also like i think it's I know that it's silly for me to care about like body counts uh, in these movie, these big action <laughs> movies. Right. Yeah. But in that sequence, when one like Florence Pugh, like blows up a tower, right. Like that was shooting yeah. at her. Part of me was kind of like, 
you just like kill all those people in that tower and like they're not doing they're they're rightfully so like preventing someone from breaking out a, a you know <laughs> like they're not they're yeah. not villains you know what i mean they're yeah. not like they're just people <laughs> doing their job <laughs> and, and like um and then also when the avalanche comes it's unclear like are all those people dead now because of this avalanche <laughs> like did they go into the prison and like of are they trapped like and i feel i'm like all these prisoners, are they all dead because of, like, this one prison break? Are all those, like, guards dead? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you're just kind of like, oh, are, so we're just completely disregarding, like, all of yeah. these people, right? I, yeah. I know that that's a silly thing, but it, it is interesting, like, the logic that we can do where, like, if a character is somewhat villainous and they do that, it makes sense to me, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But if these are supposed to be our heroes. Shouldn't they like, you know, kind of care about all this human life that they are, yeah. you know, well, I mean, the sacrificing. Yeah. And just, Those are the kinds of things you think about in a boring action scene, because if that, there are no stakes, you feel like everybody starts to have stakes. So even the, the, the no name characters, you're like, well, should I care about them? Because totally. I, don't, I don't care about anybody else in this sequence. Yeah. So. And you're right. If I was invested in what was actually happening on the screen with our main characters, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't be thinking about anything else. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Though, honestly, like, that really hampers this film in a big way. Because, like, those take up a lot of time in this movie. And those are the things that you leave remembering. Like, I was bored during, in the halfway point <laughs> of this film. And you don't yeah. want to ever leave a film thinking, remembering the exact point when you were bored, you know? Um, yeah. I want to yeah. talk about one another thing that really worked for me, which was um, when the sisters are together with the dad um, and we start to see that like oldest sister, youngest sister, father dynamic and mm-hmm. seeing those played out. That was gold for me because, you know. As someone who is, like, the oldest sister in a family, I really saw, like, a lot of those dynamics felt very similar um, and relatable. And um, I really just liked that scene a lot. I think it was, like, dramatic and interesting to watch, but also really funny because David Harbour was being very funny in that scene when he was, you know, kind of so proud of them and, and their, you know, all the all the murder that they've achieved essentially (laughs) (laughs) um i think that was like some of the humor that i think could be very fun and like a villain a villain family story right yeah um yeah that really worked for me another scene that really worked for me was when florence Pugh um specifically called out like the hysterectomies that they both received in the red room um i was really surprised that they were that explicit um in an MCU movie, but really appreciative that they were that like, it was something that was alluded to previously, but the fact that they use the word like uterus and ovaries, and I don't get a period. And, um, that's what happens when you're like, your body is operated on against your will. Uh, I, I, that was one of those moments where I really appreciated them, like calling out the evil of the red room in and using clinical terms to do so. Yeah. I I also appreciated it. I didn't love the jokiness of it. Um mm. I, I I 
I do think it, I do think it works in the context of the movie, but as I was watching, I was thinking about it and I was like the way, and I keep coming back to the beginning of it, but the way that they set this up feels like he's betraying them. When he's like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, and then they get injected at the beginning. And I'm like, he's the bad guy. He's the one well, who put them on this path. <laughs> and I know does... he's not the bad guy, but like that scene at the beginning really, really hurt me. And so them being like, ah, we're joking, father and daughter dynamic, like, I feel like, I, I feel like they'd be more mad at him. And, they, and I get that they're mad at him, but like, that's like, he's the reason they had to go through this. And that doesn't feel like it was fully addressed in this movie that does lead me into i completely agree that i think another issue i had while watching this was there wasn't enough like rage or consequences against both of the yes agreed and if that had been the point of the movie is them is them reconciling and coming together to then defeat you know, whatever. Right. I think that would have that would have made it better. But it's just kind of like all swept under the rug of like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, we're a family now again. When really, yeah. like, they did like horrible things happened, and nobody ever really said they're sorry. Right, and it doesn't see in the whole like with the David Harbor character, you can kind of write it off because he's supposed to be like this doofus, right? Like he, you think? I mean, I I don't think this is great logic, but. The fact that, like, he he seems like kind of this, like, idiot character who, um, like, probably thought, he thought he was doing, like, what was best for them, right? Like, he, he thought, like, he believed in the cause, he didn't see, see the problem, I, right? I don't think he ever did. It's, it seemed to me that they, that they were making him a very just egotistical, only thinking about himself, not really caring about anybody else. And he was proud of them for how famous they became in uh, in like basically making him look good by like saying he raised these two sure. <laughs> you know, killers but he's not sure. he doesn't love them for them and i and they they have the american pie singing thing which is you know endearing but it seemed to me of more like he's only thinking about himself and he's now having to realize that you know he's only been thinking about himself but that doesn't yeah. really come across either so my my biggest issue was like you have this mother character who like, David Harbour's been locked up, right, for the past yeah. however many years. She seems to be actively, like, creating the weapons and tools used yeah. to continue this enterprise. Like, she seems yeah. to be, like, not just, kind of, like, linked, but, like, heavily involved and, like, a big proponent of this moving forward, right? right. And um, so it seemed odd for her to, like change course i don't think we really get to see her emotionally like change course <laughs> right yeah. yeah um part of that is because like they want to have like surprise us with the you know face mask identity switch thing but Ugh. that that meant that like when we realize that she's switched teams we never got to see why or um any emotional reckoning with that and then we never and maybe I'm, like, very flawed and wanting this, but I kind of think that, like, in these simplistic superhero movies, when a character like that has done so much evil, like right, even if they switch to be good at the very last minute, then, like, usually they kind of die, right, as a redemption, yeah. right? And I really expected some sort of, like, her sacrificing herself, you know, in order to somewhat be redeemed for all the pain and torture she's caused. 
and that does <laughs> that was never really addressed. Yeah. I no, I, I I totally agree with you, but I think it comes down to like them not really being interested in that. It's like it's all now about Drakeoff, who we haven't even talked about at this point because of how much of a nothing burger he is in this yeah. movie. Um, yeah, like it, it again. This is a family movie. There is enough conflict and trauma and stuff within this family to make this the main point of it but for them to then go after you know the big bad who we haven't seen in this movie we have no relationship to at all right um makes the whole thing feel pretty boring now if if we'd gotten him or even even if we hadn't seen him but if there had been more scenes of the red room and the atrocities that went on there earlier in the film even Mm -hmm. scenes with scarlett johansson and the daughter of like um Mm -hmm kind of her her angst about using this girl if just one scene actually between them but using this girl to get to this secret big bad and finally like we just have no all of the emotional buildup in this movie is about the family and not about right. her relationship with that with this guy so it just <laughs> it's so boring yeah. <laughs> yeah i will say um a scene that really worked for me uh, again, I think what I, I liked when this movie let itself be menacing and horrible and hor- not yeah. horrible, horrifying, you know, yeah. because like that is what this story is about. And so the scene where she can't harm him and he's like hitting her, um, it seems so counterintuitive for me to be like, I'm so glad that they had a scene with a man like beating a woman. Just- <laughs> I, I recognize, like, how, like, uncomfortable that is, but it makes sense in this story, and you know how I've complained before how so many of these, like, superhero movies, they shy against, like, any of the female characters actually being on the receiving end of violence. Yeah, um, the girls have to fight the girls. Right, the girls the have to fight they the girls, <laughs> and... um. And even then, like, you can watch, like, a male superhero get, like, punched in the face and really, like, you know, beat up. But we would never no. see, like, a, 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 a one of our female superheroes who would be in those situations, like, ever be that way. And so I appreciated that this movie didn't shy away from that. And then also, like, gave credence to how villainous this character is, right? Um Instead of him just being, like, an evil, powerful man at a desk, we got to see, like, no, this is someone who, like, this this is the moment we're going to show you how he is, like, an abuser of women, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that scene really worked. And, <clears throat> and then it, because of that, it also made the scene where she broke her nose in an uh, attempt to harm him really work for me. Like, that... I I enjoyed the speediness of that and like the visceral nature of that like mo- yeah. that action. I hated the flashbacks in that scene. So so when it talked about like the like the the fact that we flashback to get explanations for some of those things, I hated. And so I didn't mm. love the the nose breaking or anything anything like that. Just because we had to like do flashback flashback sure. explainers for it. Sure. Um. I have a few more nitpicky things I want to discuss. One, yeah. this isn't really a criticism, but it's more just I find it interesting that I remember someone before this movie came out bringing up the fact that, like, 
in Captain America Winter Soldier, Scarlett Johansson uses this like face mask technology, right? Yes. And and then it's never brought up again in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Like <laughs> how often it could have been so helpful. Someone on Twitter made a joke about all the times where like they're in hiding and they're wearing a baseball cap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> When apparently they have this, like, Mission Impossible technology. I was glad to see it again, you know? I was glad that if that if it was used once by, you know, Scarlett Johansson's character, that she was the one to get to use it again in the yeah. universe. I have no idea, though, like, how she gained access to it, you know? like So you can see it in when in the flashback, you can see the mask hanging on the wall in... Um, what whatever her bunker is with all of her weapons and stuff. Uh, if uh, Rachel Vice's house. Okay, so that's yeah. something that sh- that Rachel Vice has. Rachel Vice has, yeah, yep. Even the, though that's a bunch like a of shields thing. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's my concern. It's like who originated yeah. this technology? Who has access to it? You know, because if it was something that Scarlett Johansson had access to as part of Shield. You know, that makes sense yeah. to me. It's, but then how would yeah, she get it again? In the flashback, it's clearly Rachel Vice's because she has that hanging on the wall and then a ton of wigs for all of her family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, another nitpicky thing um, was, you know, when Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson are talking about Drakov and she's like, I killed Drakov. And Florence was like, did you? Did you confirm the kill? You know, and we see that there's a big explosion and apparently he didn't die. It seems odd to me for that to be so pointed out and then for him to die in an explosion in this movie again. I know. I thought the same thing. (laughs) Even though I think from the audience perspective, we're supposed to believe that, like, no, he definitely died this time. Like, we see the glasses fly off. Yeah. But, like, Black Widow didn't confirm the kill as far as she knows. Right. He could have pulled the same stuff again so i think it was odd that if she you know made the mistake before that she wouldn't you know that there wouldn't be a scene where she kills him and then like confirms it and actually she doesn't kill him right it's just the place is exploding and his helicopter gets hit with debris right so she's not even really even there exactly yeah so So that so we don't even get the the catharsis of like her actually killing exactly um And then my last nitpick is that um, Florence Pugh's character's name is Yelena. And Rachel Weisz's character is Melina. And I don't know why you (laughs) constantly. I was like, who is who? Like, what are these characters (laughs) names? Why would you have two main characters with such similar sounding names? Um, That just really bothered me. I could I could never tell who they were talking about. When they were like yelling each other, when especially when like David Harbour was yelling their names in a fake yeah. Russian accent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I agree. Um, I will point out two things that I did really love about this movie that are just like small little things is the superhero pose. Very, yeah. very funny. Absolutely totally. love that. Um, that that Lawrence bit was just kept, very funny kept coming back. So funny. And the vest. I loved the vest. All the talk of the vest <laughs> was yeah. so good. And really then to cute. see that, like, that is the vest that she wears all through uh, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. It's very fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Florence Pugh is just like a shining light in this movie. Part of me was like, what a genius idea to add her and to give Black Widow a sister to have this dynamic with, to feel protective over, to, you know, um, give her some stakes and not be this like lone wolf that she always is. And then another part of me is like, damn, like this became such a shining vehicle for Florence Pugh when this is supposed to be like finally the Black Widow movie. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. Do you Um, think there could be more Black Widow movies? Like more in between all of the Avengers movies? Like keep bringing Scarlett Johansson back for these little one-off things. Probably not. Yeah. To me, like technically that's still – the option is still there to do that. But the way this movie was set up does not feel like that's going to happen or it could happen at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see more Florence Pugh in the Marvel cinematic universe. I'm, I'm curious again. I really think it's odd that like both of the parents are still alive and could be used. It seems like those parents definitely should have died in that. Yeah, for sure. Like they, (laughs) even though I love them, I love them both that sure just emotionally it feels very weird for them to still be around right especially knowing that the natasha character has died now you know yeah and like for her to have died and them to still be living feels wrong right (laughs) yeah yeah um so yeah i'm not i i'm not really looking forward to more of david harbour or rachel vice and the mcu (laughs) like those aren't characters that I need more of. Um, yeah. I think David Harbour was very funny in this, but, like, that's all I needed, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas with Florence Pugh, like, definitely give me give me way more. In everything. Are you <laughs> looking forward to this Hawkeye show that's coming? I mean, I wasn't, but I am now. Yeah. Um, I love Haley Steinfeld. Um, Same. And so now, if they're going to put Florence Pugh in it as well, then I'm... I'm in. I'll watch it. I'm, I'm. I think we're all out on Jeremy Renner at this point. We just right. Um, yeah, we're over it. <laughs> I'm interested in getting more of the Val character, like as a character in a in like in a full piece, and less as like a cameo. Um, yeah, I think these cameos are really fun, but I want to see like her actually do some work. You know. Um, yeah. I want to see this character in motion. Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, the more I talk about it, the more I'm realizing I had a lot more problems with this movie than I thought when we started this conversation. <laughs> a lot um, of problems, but it was so fun. But it was it fun. Really was. Ultimately, it was fun. And I appreciate that. Like, yeah, you know, that's what I expect from Marvel movies are just like a, some decent fun. And this yeah. one is very middle of the pack in that sense for me. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm curious how I'll feel about it on a second watch. Same. Yeah. It'll be a while before I watch this again, though. Like, it, this yeah. is not the, the one where I'm ready to watch it immediately after. Yeah. There's some scenes that I'm definitely going to look up on YouTube, for sure. Mostly sure. of Florence Pugh saying funny things. So. <laughs> I want to rewatch that opening credit scene again and just, like, keep an eye out for yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um. 
All right. Well, is there anything else you want to say about Black Widow? I think that's it. All right. Well, then why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? All right. Um, I'm Luke Strait. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yes. Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 